Watch who? And welcome to Two Watch Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I'm new to watching Who. Yeah, watching for the very first time. Very first time. Sarah, you have been chosen for a vitally important task. Oh. Give <laughs> <laughs> me. All of Doctor Who has been scattered and hidden throughout the cosmos. And when they are assembled, they create a power... And a podcast which is too dangerous for any being to possess. <laughs> there we go. There's an epic beginning for season 16. We're both coughing as well. We should, like, we're both a bit ill. I know. It's that sort of winter time, cold. It's all of that, isn't it? Yeah. Apologies, like, then I just coughed. Yeah, we're so. on the on the lemsips. Well, I've had a few lemsips, so. But we're back. Another season. I do have a little surprise for you. Okay. I've got here the Doctor Who quiz book. Ooh. An official. Because <laughs> <laughs> it came up on my Amazon, like, it was during the Prime things, and it was, like, for £6. So I got it, and I'm going to quiz you, because you always quiz me. <laughs> I was going to say, the tables have turned. This is a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Mark was not expecting this. Okay. And I'm just okay. Going so it goes through like it, it's not just current. It's like because on the cover, I mean, they're not official, but that's definitely the Doctor that we've got now, and that's Jodie's Doctor, and I think that one's supposed to be David Tennant's Doctor. Hang on, let me. Oh my god, I can't believe you got a Doctor Who book. How do you feel? Are you I'm excited? in shock. I am actually in shock. I know. I thought I'd surprise you with it. Like some of this is quite obvious but we'll ask you anyway so the first there's like different chapters that are like different bits of information so we'll start like the first three questions are quite easy but this is about the doctor's many faces and there's a whole like little there's always like description explaining things and then there's quiz questions okay so uh i mean you'll get all these i'll be surprised if you don't get these three but then i'll go into the book and find another one okay so this is number one doctor who began in november 1963 which actor played the first incarnation of the Doctor debuting? 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 De- oh my gosh. Debuting. De- 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 debuting? No, I don't know. Oh, oh my god. In the first episode, an unearthly child. Oh, that's William Hartnell. That is correct. Our favourite. One of our favourites. One of our favourites. Okay, number two. Patrick Troughton took over as the second Doctor in 1966. Which instrument did this Doctor play regularly to help him think? The recorder. That's correct. And then number three, John Pertwee took over the role and became the third Doctor in 1970. The character had been exiled to one planet as a result of violating the Time Lord's non-interference policy. Which planet was the Doctor sent to? Earth. There we go. Yeah. It's nice and easy. And looking ones. at this, and I'm like, I don't actually know where the answers are, so I should probably have checked that before. Oh, no, right at the back, answers. Cool. Well, you so should do a, uh, a round at the Chris of Rassilon then, shouldn't you? <laughs> I know. There's a little, there's a thing here about which companion are you, but we won't oh, do wow. that. Oh, wow. Oh, my God, we've got to do, do that at some do point. Do we do that? Oh, let's do that. Go on. Go on. It'll be funny. We both, If we both answer it, we'll see who we turn out. Okay. Let we'll me, I'm just going through it because it's like, okay. So there's like four options and then you have to choose which one you think. So question one. 
A mysterious time traveller enters your life and asks you to board their TARDIS and adventure with them. What is your response? A, you weren't asked. You stowed away on the TARDIS while investigating strange happenings and stayed for further travels. B, you were looking for a way out. You say yes without a second thought. C, you say no at first because your family needs you, but you change your mind when you realise it also travels in time. Or D, you've seen enough of the Doctor to know that you'll say yes to the invitation and never leave. I'm going to say A. A? Um, what you what do you say? I think... I'll keep a record. I think I'd be C. Okay. I'd say no at first, and okay. then when I realize I go through time, I'd be like, yeah, go on. Okay, number two. You have the entirety of time and space at your feet. Where would you choose to go for your first adventure in the TARDIS? A, the Middle Ages, B, London, 1963, C, the distant future to see the end of the Earth, or D, an alien planet? Oh, they are... I probably want to do all of them. Um, I'd probably start off, though. I'd like to see an alien planet. I'll just go straight into it. D, okay, yeah. Because actually Middle Ages will be like all a bit diseasy and stuff straight and be a bit horrible. (laughs) I'd rather go like to the future. (laughs) I hear you. Okay. Three, how would others describe you? A, confident, clever, and brave. You're never one to put up with anybody else's rubbish, and you're a brilliant leader. Sometimes you come across as a bit cold, but only because you're so fiercely protective and loving. B, under that tough exterior, you're kind, loyal, and deeply courageous. You like to take charge and sometimes act without thinking, but you're a fast learner, and you will always remain loyal to those you care about. C, kind, caring, and inquisitive. You're protective of those around you and can make friends in any situation. You're deeply empathetic, sometimes to your own disadvantage, but can also take a stand when needed. Or D, you're wildly ambitious and want to rise to the top. Although you have many many insecurities, you're a brilliant friend and are talented at solving any problem. Always asking questions, you're curious and have a brave exterior. You just need to remember your own brilliance. Bloody hell, they're all a bit long, aren't they? I know. <laughs> um, I don't know, C? I'm going to go with B. Um, so, four, you're stuck in an alien base with no signal, no doctor, and no way out. Do you, A, investigate your surroundings and try to find a logical solution? B, blow the base up with your homemade explosive? Or C, use your under-seven gymnastics bronze medal skills and try to kick the door down? Or D, wonder what the doctor would do and then do exactly that. I do have an under sevens gymnastic certificate, so maybe <laughs> I should go with that. I do, I did gymnastics. I've got the kitty cat award. I've got the badges. Um, I'm going to say C, was that the gymnastics one? Yeah. <laughs> totally, I'll bring those skills back. I'll go with C as well, I think. <laughs> I think I'll try and kick a door down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we both be like. How many have we answered? Is that four? We've done four. Okay, so we'll do one more because that okay. should then give us a majority. Yeah, okay. Time. Okay. So the doctor leaves you on a distant planet by accident and you have no idea if they'll be back. Do you A, make a life for yourself and become a defender of your new home? B, get a job in hospitality and try to figure out a way off the planet? C, create a teleport to jump across the universe to wherever the Doctor is. Or D, 
Accumulate local knowledge and make your own way back to the doctor. Well, I don't think I'd go into hospitality. Um, I'd probably say D, just try and work out a way okay. to get out. I don't think I'd do any of the others. What would you do? I think B. I think I would end up working in hospitality. Oh, my God, you would. You'd, be, you'd really get a job would. at a pub or something. I really would. <laughs> <laughs> like, you would. Well, it's one so way. We, do you have a majority? Uh, hold on. Do you have more A's, B's, C's, or D's? Uh, or do I? We both as well? do. We both do. Okay, so what's your majority? Okay, we're both the same. We both oh, more C. We're more C. So mostly C's is Rose Tyler. Ah. Most like Rose Tyler. Oh, actually, I've got. I'm I'm joint C and D actually, but you're C. I'm I'm C's. Okay, so I'm Rose Tyler. Oh no! Hold on. Sorry, I just totally read. You're like one job. You just have to look at five letters and see which one was more. Okay, we don't. We we're both. You're joint C and B, and I'm joint C and D. All right. Okay. Should we do one more to determine then? (laughs) I think we're gonna have to, aren't we? But we just forget. <laughs> forget what you only know about C. Oh so no! Okay, far. forget Rose Tyler. What, what's D? Look, say you're B and I'm D, and let's find out then. Just do that. Okay. So B is Ace. Okay. You're most like Ace. Streetwise, explosive, and fierce loyal pal. Your determination, courage, are your strengths, and your bold exterior shines through wherever you go. That's you. Yeah. And D is Yasmin. Clever, determined, and courageous. You're most like Yasmin. People find you grounding and naturally gravitate towards you. Your willingness to keep trying means your ambition is achievable and you just have to believe in yourself. At least you didn't turn out to be Polly or anyone like that, I imagine. No, well, A was Sarah Jane Smith. Mostly A's would have been Sarah Jane Smith. Well, okay, that's going in a little bit to today's story then, the Ribos operation or the Rebos operation. Yeah. at me, everybody. <laughs> sure it does. <laughs> Well, let's just go straight in and let's start out with... For the future, we will do more. For, and if anyone's interested in this book, I should say, like, because I feel like I'm just reading three things from a book, but it's by Beth Axford. It's called The Doctor Who Quiz Book, an official. Not sponsored. Not sponsored <laughs> Sarah at all. Sarah just found it. It's not sponsored. I literally just found it. It's like 250 pages long. It's a good-sized book, so... If you're looking for a late Christmas present for a friend, there you go. Brilliant. There we go. Yep. Well, that's not what I bought it for. <laughs> well, we do have a new companion this season. We do. Okay. And last time you said maybe more dungarees, or maybe a girl and a guy, but we have Romana. So let's just go straight yeah. in before we go into anything else. What is your first impressions of Romana? I do like Romana, actually. I like that she's so different to Leela. Well, she's different again because like, we had Sarah Jane and then Leela's so different to Sarah Jane and now we've got a complete difference again. Yeah. It's someone that's like knowledgeable of but not, not at the same level as the Doctor, you know, but has knowledge of how the universe works and stuff like that. So that's quite interesting. I like that she stands her own ground in sort of a very um, Sarah way, very Sarah Jane way. Well, it's very interesting. She's a time lady. To me, she feels like a little bit more mature. I don't know if it's because she's playing it as a time lady who doesn't really know the world. Who's? Do you know what? 
I didn't realize, and this is why I was talking about Rodan so much in the Evasion of Time. I never made that connection that Rodan was a bit of a prototype Romana in a way. Yeah, you're right. I've yeah. never thought of that. You could have just had Rodan turn up from the Time Lords to help out the Doctor. She's very like that. Um, but she so she hasn't been I out think of that got world. A little bit more to her than what Rodan did. I know you're a big Rodan fan, but I feel like there's a little bit more um, backbone to her. And this is the first non, well, the second non-human companion because we had Susan if you consider her as a time lord lady but this is completely different to Susan we've not gone there but she- do we consider K9 as well oh, in that yeah, of course we've still got K9 K9 mark 2 second one <laughs> but yeah were you expecting somewhat like when you first saw her what were you think like I was not expecting that I think I'm really excited for this season I think it's really interesting idea to have what this story is going to be is the whole season do you know what I mean I'm guessing that we've got six stories because they're going after six things. I don't know how long each one is, but that's a guess. And I think that's quite interesting. I think it it reminds me a little bit of um, Third Doctor, his season with the Master, when we had that as like an ongoing. And that sort of gave the season a bit of a grounding. Even though each one's different, it felt like a sort of a, the mission was quite clear and, yeah, I, I really liked that. It's a really great idea. It, it's just a really simple idea that I think, and it gives you motivation to follow. I mean, if you joined in at any point, I don't think it would matter, but I think seeing where it goes gives you motivation to follow in the same way that, like, the Doctor one, every time the, the Master would get away and we knew we'd see him next week sort of thing. I'm really excited, actually, off the back of this, how it will end and how the series series season will go, sorry. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised I haven't really tried anything like this before, really, like an over, an over, our sort of arc thing in well, terms of... The closest I can oh, think of is that one with the Master. Very, it- and also kind of like an extended version of Keys and Marinus. Oh my God, I was just about to say... <laughs> Keys of Marinus, but actually just more just this story on its own, had a bit of a Keys of Marinus vibe when we get to the planet and everything. It just felt like it was, you know, when they go from place to place in Keys of Marinus, it felt like this is somewhere. I think it's because we had Altos in the snow and we had sort of someone in furs and we had Ian being knocked over the head with the crown jewel thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was just, it just felt like this was a, bit of where they would land in Keys of Marinus. They would land on Rybos and just have one episode there, but it's like extended into four. And Catacombs and stuff, it just felt like all a bit Keys of Marinus-y. And I think that's why I really like this one this time round. It's an okay one. It's sort of middling for everyone. It's not like a classic or anything. I get that because I said to you just before we started, I've just finished watching this today and I'm not, and I'm not a hundred. I, I mean, also, I'm not feeling hundred percent. We're both not feeling well, but I'm struggling to like remember. I'm sure when we start talking about it, it'll come back. But there's no like real yes, that's the storyline moments for me. But I did enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's okay, and you've got the key to time element, but it doesn't take over the whole story. It's sort of like a nice background ongoing yeah. thing. So we'll see how that develops. 
I'll go back to the beginning and we'll go through and hopefully remind you <laughs> of what's happened. <laughs> I've not seen this one for such a long time. It's not one that I would always necessarily go to. And, okay, you've you've guessed it. I've not really told you, but see, there's six stories in this season and each one is a bit of the key to time. But when I got these on video, I watched them out of order. Ah, so I think yeah. I got like the fourth one first. They were all on offer in South End in like our price or something for like four ninety nine. I used to go <laughs> up, and um, it was just whichever one was there. So I didn't see this one first, but I sort of knew about the key to time. So it's a bit odd. It does help if you watch them in order. And the, actually, I'll show you. Sort of, well, actually, can I show you? I've still got the videos because I'll show you a bit of it because they all. This is only three of them, um, but they sort of made a picture <gasps> on the spines. Oh, yeah! And if you've got all six. If you have all six together, I can't hold them all up at once. They make a cool, like, picture of gathering the key to time. So that was cool. That's cute. <laughs> it's a really it's a really nice idea, I think. And it's really concise. And it really just, it has a real Keys of Mariners feel about it because of that. And we like that quest stuff, don't we? It's a very Terry Nation thing. Keys of Mariners was a bit of a quest else was a quest like the in the way the chase is for me is a bit of a quest it, the the journey Mine where it goes from bit to bit it's too long well this is but this is like an a longer extended arc isn't it so instead of each episode we've got each story as a different place but it's still quite fun to do imagine if the chase was like six stories long <laughs> you it's, know? Well, i think i think i'd probably like the chase more if because it does, but it, but it doesn't. At least with this, you know that like this portion, it it reaches its. We've got it, okay. And then there's the next one, which is similar to the keys. Like they're aiming to get each of the the parts that they need, and then it goes to the next story. And the issue with the chase is, even though actually it felt like three stories in a way, didn't? Because you had the first half, and then they're like fighting against, and then you, you know it's like twelve, isn't it? That's the Dalek's master plan, but it's very similar to the chase. Oh, sorry, but um, what am Ian, I... Ian and Barbara left in the chase. Oh, um, it's not the Christmas. It's all plan, the same. Then. It's all Terry Nation. Go, yeah, Christmas, and that was that's Dalek's master plan, but it's exactly the same format. Yeah, yeah same I'm thing. Think, I've got that one in my head, but like the trouble is because it's all one story. The goal is just that one thing for the whole way. So this is quite nice because even though it's four, the goal is just the one point. There's an overarc of like collecting them all gotta catch them all um but then <laughs> yeah uh, well okay i'll go back to the beginning so you got doctor and canine on on their own they meet the white guardian the key to time is a perfect cube which maintains the equilibrium of time itself it consists of six segments and these segments are scattered and hidden throughout the cosmos. Who's just a guy in a chair. Did you notice, I don't know if anyone else did, um, he's drinking a cocktail, a greeny-blue cocktail. He's having a Terry Nation. He's drinking a Terry Nation. The White Guardian drinks Terry Nations, everyone. If that's not endorsement, you I don't know what. I, just, I was like, oh, my God, watch him, everyone. He's drinking his Terry Nation, going to the Doctor. You've been chosen, so we've got six segments and you see it's like a cube and it's been scattered throughout the cosmos i'm not sure why if he's so powerful he can't just get him himself but never mind about that <laughs> and he's given uh, a tracer thing that sort of detects 
um, and Romana is there in the TARDIS. And can we just say clothes watch with Romana? Is she the most glamorous? Yeah, I, mean, I guess it's because she's supposed to be a Time Lord, isn't she? Or a Time Lady. Yeah. No dungarees. No dungarees. You're not, get, you're not getting your dungarees. I did like what she wore, though. Like, I liked her white outfit with the hood. I mean... Talk about standing out, like whatever scene she's in, and it it fits quite well when they land, and it's very wintry and Christmassy. Well, the dog and gives it a I mean, on, doesn't he? He's like, right, wear this. Hope it fits. I mean, and she must have been freezing. It doesn't look warm, actually. It looks really nice, but and how she kept that clean throughout that whole time going to the catacombs, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Do not wear bright white when you go adventuring for the key to time. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to jump ahead before I forget this, right? Okay. I think it's the third story. Uh, the third episode, sorry, not story, third episode, where we meet Babu. Binro. Oh, Binro. 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 And I was like, oh. So when that guy is like, no, Binro, what you're saying is true. And he's like, and then they're going through. The, there was like something he said, and it reminded me of the producers. You know. I've not seen that. Okay. I don't know that. So <laughs> there's like, there's two versions of it. Like there's the film version, and then there's a the musical version. Um, and the musical one, <laughs> there's a court. Case and he starts singing this song. Um, never da 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 till I'm till him. Never knew I'm ever till him. Anyway, in my head, I imagine those two singing it together, like at that moment, because it was like I didn't know this till him. Ah, and all the grannies in the back are singing, and I don't know. I I had I imagined the the dead bodies like ah. But yeah, if they were going to make like that into a musical scene, that is a song they would pick. Even here, in the future, men will turn to each other and say, Binro was right. No one ever made me feel like someone till him. Okay, we'll make a note of that. Robot Operation, the musical <laughs> with Binro. Oh, Binro's great. We'll get, we'll go. We'll get to, to Binro. Binro but you just said yeah. something, and it popped back in my head, and I was like, I will forget that if I don't say it now. At that beginning, you've got the Doctor and Romana sort of working out their relationship. It's a great, almost like a sort of rom com thrown together in those Tardis scenes at the beginning. Complete opposites. So, but it worked. Like you know, when we were saying like with Leela the other season, where it just that humour just wasn't there. That there wasn't. I don't. It just didn't work. It was all felt really awkward. This was perfect. This was really entertaining. I love the way how he reacted to her because he doesn't really want her there. But then they're gonna get on. It's like the odd couple. It's type very odd scenario. Couple. Yeah, yeah. And just those one. She's great because she is knowledgeable but she doesn't have any of his nonsense and then i like the bit where he's like i can't i'll call you romana or fred yeah, yeah, like, okay call friend. me fred <laughs> yeah you know all of those moments she just comes in and it's such a strong start for a companion because she's uh, she's fully formed she's all there straight away and she does a fair amount okay then we meet our characters of the week and we're on this lovely wintery set. The sets are great. It's all no location. It's all studio, but it works really well because it's this sort of medieval planet. It's space, but medieval. That's a good way to do it if you don't have budget. Don't go space hospital. Go medieval where the BBC can... No, not that hospital. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and we meet... Um, it's 
Un- Unstoff and Garon are our like dodgy dealers. So Garon is the chatty one, and Unstoff is like is he the, the Somerset the one? Kit. The Somerset one, yeah. So you see them, and you think they're sort of trying to steal the crown jewels, basically, or do something. Actually, they're putting the stone in rather than stealing. And all the costumes and everything, you've got this sort of Russian vibe to it, haven't you? With the all the costumes, yeah, very yeah, yeah, Russian style thing, which does remind me when I saw the, the jewels and everything, the Russian stuff. I love um, reading and finding out about Fabergé eggs. Oh. I don't know if anybody is interested in that. There's because I didn't know, oh, right? My favorite documentary series, I think it's on Amazon. I've got Raiders of the Lost Art. I think I've talked about it before oh, yeah. about missing art pieces. There's one on Van Gogh. There's one, and there's one about the Fabergé eggs because I think he made like a hundred or something for the Russian Tsar. The ones that all got the Romanovs all got like shot and stuff yeah. in the revolution and everything, and. Yeah, he made them for like one a year as like a present, and they all had they all got different things inside, like a treat, like a little mechanical thing, and all that. Anyway, it sort of goes into my missing episodes head because there's only I don't oh I can't remember now. There's not many that actually still exist, and there's missing ones, and there's somewhere they've only got a photo, and they were shown in like London after that. Some a lot came over to England, and there's a picture. I, in like the, I don't know, 40s or 50s or something of this exhibition. And you can see these eggs in the cabinets, but nobody knows what happened to them since. And that's like the only photo of them. No one knows where they are. There's quite a few like, and there's somewhere no images exist at all. And you've only got his original drawings. And like one turned up in like 2004 in like some American guys like Garage. And he didn't, he bought it at a boot sale and it's, worth like millions oh and it's over to like Sotheby's and stuff it's sort of in that missing episodes thing you I bet there's people out there like 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 Doctor Who missing episodes but Fabergé eggs yeah like I just find it really fascinating I want, uh, yeah that's really interesting because I thought when you've mentioned this before I think I'm thinking of another documentary that's on Netflix about missing art oh there's quite a few there's one where loads of art went missing in like the 90s from a yes I've watched oh, that that's one. a really good document that's really good. I love all that kind of because they have not been found since, like the Rembrandts and stuff. There's so many missing pieces and stuff being like stolen or stuff that turns up. And oh, yeah, that's it, yeah, it sort of fits in that interest of mine. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, they're not stealing any Fabergé eggs here. They're putting in this stone, which turns out to be the bit of the key to time. So that's our our plot point there. Yeah, the Doctor and Romana just sort of come in and they're around in the background, but you're getting into the story. I really like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get added for not calling him the right thing. Unstoff, 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 and Garon. I really like those two. I found them easy to get me into the story. I agree, and I liked how different they were to the point I actually thought I've forgotten which one's the nice one. Garon. Unstoff. Unstoff. Is he the nice one? Let me just. He's the nice one. Yeah. Unstoff. I I was hoping he'd like join them. Yeah, he's very kind, isn't he? Very stuff. He's great, and he yeah, I really liked him. And Garon is a bit like Jago in a way from Talons of Wing Chang, the theatre guy. Mm, mm. Very like that, isn't he? He's like that. And we find out that the Shrivenzal is guarding. Now, okay, I'm harsh. You know that monster thing? Oh that was yes, guarding them? yeah, yeah. Because we sort of build up to the Doctor Romano quickly find it. But then they can't get it and they're trying to get in and it gets asleep. Romana, it's not a great cliffhanger for Romana. For Romana's first monster, she, when she goes in, it's asleep. She walks straight past it and does not see it. 
she's like right next to it. She that's a very sixties moment. That's a sixties. I can't. It's in front of me, but I'm pretending not to see yeah, it yeah. moment. And then she she has that screamy moment. But I thought I suppose you can forgive that because she's not been and she's like, are there creatures out there? Like I like that it follows up. It's not just a a oh screaming girl. There's a reason because she's not a bit like Rodan. She's having a simple life moment. She's not been out of the world. So she doesn't know these things necessarily are going to be dangerous and exist. So I like that she says, oh, well, there are creatures out there like that. And the doctor's like, yeah, you're going to meet a lot of them. So I like how it sort of follows that up. And okay, I forgive her for not, for pretending. I can not to forgive see that it. one too because I, I think it's probably one of those things they're trained like these things exist and here they are in a book. And it's like when you see it in real life and you actually are threatened by it. And I think as well because her character starts so strong and defiant and almost like in charge. Like the start, she's like, well, I've got this thing that will lead them to us. You know, very self-assured, very. So it was nice to have that sort of vulnerable moment to remind you that for all her knowledge and everything, she's still new. You have to have him above her in terms of, so it's really, it, it was good for like reminding you of their, where their dynamic positions are. Yeah. And she's not screaming or anything. She's just like, oh, okay, we're in this situation now. Okay. And she takes it and gets on with it, especially later on in the story. She has a good part of the story. She's not just to the side. I felt like everyone was everyone was quite equal because it's quite a small cast. And then we have the Graf Vinder K comes in. He's our Russian prince guy. <laughs> He's very... No, but he's not. Is he over the top? You just made a face. Yeah, I mean... He serves the point of the story, doesn't he? I liked him, and but and like he, I thought he was really good. I thought he played it really well. He did serve a point of the story. He's. I'm going to struggle to remember him. Well, it's all about. But that's because he's not a he's not a key element of it. In the same way that like the other two, even though they're separate, they're really part of the dialogue and the story. He's just a character there that helps be part of it and move it along. And he's really good. Like, I feel like I'm going to get hate because he's acting wise. It's really good. It's not weak at all. It's not pantoey. I just know that like, when I think back to this story, he's not what I'm going to think of. Cause he, I feel like he's a big part. He's a big dramatic part of it because he gets two cliffhangers that end of actually just going ahead. End of episode two. He literally looks at the camera and he's like, the graft vindicate or like kill them or something. And then epi- the end, the one episode three, I think he's like, and they will never know that they crossed the graft vindicate. He gets two cliffhangers of him being very yeah. panto. Well, I, look at when the I think of this story, I'm going to remember Somerset guy, Bimbo. nice guy and bin bad guy. The, I don't know if you remember the guard. He had the big black hat and the staff. He was guarding the. So, yeah. right. Have you seen, um, I want to say it's called Count Bimface. He's like Count the guy Bim- that goes up against um, Boris Johnson at elections and stuff. I think I've heard of him. That is what that costume reminded me of. What, the big fluffy hat? The guard? Oh, no, no. I'm thinking of the metal ones. The metal. Oh, the guard. they're the Graf Vindicay guards with the metal helmet and the red things. Are they, oh, Count Binface, right, okay, yeah, Count Binfaces. <laughs> That's what that reminds me That's the graph That guard reminded okay. me of that. <laughs> okay, no, sorry, the other guards, they're like the Russian-y guards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy that plays him, 
bit of a different performance. He's been in Doctor Who twice before. We've seen him. He usually plays the dick. Yeah. He was the dick Thal and the dick spaceship captain in Planet of Evil. Right, okay. No, you don't I remember. I don't remember. And I'm probably oh. not going to remember him. Yeah, uh, Jekyll and Hyde story. Yeah, I know. I remember the story. I just don't remember him like enough to be like, yes. Ah, uh, okay. Anyway, he's not, he's less of a dick in this. I thought he was a bit more. He doesn't have much of a part in this as much, but um, he's okay. He's still a bit of a grumpy guard. But he's that's not his, as bad. Yeah, that's what his mo in it. Um, and then we get a lot of back and forth in episode two and three. There's a lot of Garon's trying to like um, con the graph in decay. So he's trying to make him think that there's precious metal and you go back and forth. And then Somerset guy pr- pretends to be the guard. I like how that story went. And it's very like the construction of the story is really interesting because it's always something. There's some, And then the Dr. Romana is thrown in there as well and they get caught up yeah, in it as well. I liked that. And it didn't, they didn't feel like too much padding in this story. Everything felt like it needed to happen. That it this story was really well constructed. Because actually, you've only got like three sets. Really, you've got like the jewel room, the catacombs, and then up the snowy bit, and they just go between those three really, and it's all conversation. Well, and that one and room building... that they have as a cell. But I feel like there's a whole world. Like, I doesn't fit. Like, I feel like you get an idea of, and when especially when you meet Binro, yeah, and you have that whole story. Of that. It's not padding, okay. It doesn't add to the story necessarily as much, apart from Somerset guy. Gives you more, I guess, background to the world that they're in, and especially it lines into them when we see this woman doing weird stuff later. Oh my god, I can't wait to get to her. Yeah, because you hear that the people of this planet are more medieval and they don't know about space travel and stuff. But then you see that through Binro. And that, and that moment, that's like a fan favourite moment if you're talking about from this. Everyone yeah, like a really I nice, loved that. A little monologue great. bit. Yeah, and it, it didn't have to be there, but he's that. that's just a really... It just adds that extra bit to build build this story. Um, yeah, you get Gruff and Decay back and forth. He gets very angry... Doctor gets locked up and Romana's getting a bit impatient. <laughs> and then when it's sort of a bit of a chase in a way, aren't they? The, 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 they're after the this stone and they all go down to the catacombs bit by bit. The guard are like, right, we'll find, we know where they are. We'll get the seeker. A bit like, because they used to do that in like the 80s. I don't know if they do it now. They probably don't. In like the 80s and 90s, they used to, in like murder trials, they used to get like psychics oh, yeah. and stuff to try I'm and just like find American. out in real life. It's a very American thing. I bet they've done it over here though, as well. You hear that in some true crime stuff. I've heard that, you know, they get in these psychics. It's that version of it where the seeker comes in. I mean, she's great. She is amazing, I think. No? I mean, yeah, I guess. It, it was such... I'll tell you what I found really bizarre about it, right? So everything she says is true. Yeah. Right? But their whole mythology is false because they believe that, like, it's two gods against each other. And that's surely what she's part of and believes in. But actually, they just go around planets. And they know that because he's like, no, what you've said is true. We do go, there is a sun and we go around this. That is correct. It's not two gods fighting against each other for the seasons. So how is she always right? In what they that was, that was, well, it's just coincidence, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit ambiguous, isn't it? Doesn't not, it? it just happens to fit. Spot on it every time. 
Yeah, but okay. In the like, if Mystic Meg was on the lottery and it's like somebody blonde will win ten pounds tonight, everyone's like, yeah, she's going to be right every time because it's just happens to be. Do you know what I mean? She's the Mystic Meg of Rivals, isn't she? She's like, like that last one. She was like, oh, he's gone. He's dead. He's in the like. There's no point because he's in the cocoon or whatever it is. I forgot what they're called. Cactacoon. Um, Cactacoons. Yeah. But before that, she was like. No, he's done that. Like every time she she doesn't she's not just saying he's alive. She's like she knows exactly where he is. Well, we will never know the true secrets of the seeker, but I think it just happens to be co- because she says all of us, all but one, will die, and then he sh- oh he shoots her proper blanket in the face at the end, and then the when the doctor swaps the bomb, it turns out the doctor's the last one standing. Um. Yeah, it, I, it adds something. But again, it adds to that world that they are that they do have those beliefs. And yeah, okay, she's right. Hey, she's right. <laughs> she That's is. fine. But I think it should have just been on once and then it it was right. I'd have been like, okay. But it's the fact that she did like two, three appearances and every time she's like bang on the money. And I'm like, either there is way more to this than they're, either they're right and he's all, like, I don't know. I was like, it just sort of, it kind of, Almost for me, and I'm sure I'm alone in this, it kind of lessened that powerful speech that we'd had before about... About science. Yeah. Mm, and that's, yeah, okay. that's not... Because they, they... That's not me trying to do some, like, from a religious... Because they're not... It's not a religious thing. They believe, like... Although I guess it is their religion, but, like, it was such a powerful, like, moment that that was... And then, but in their own society, this woman's just always right. So, and that's what they believe. So, I don't know. I just kind of found it very, yeah. I just didn't like the how specific as well she could be. I can't believe how she kept their mantlers on her head the whole time. And when she gets shot as well, you don't see her fall down. She sort of walks to the side and offset. You don't. She's not going to lie down with those no, antlers she's, on. She's she just. <laughs> Yeah, she's not having it. She's not doing any actual I'm sure collapsing that, like, acting. When they were putting that makeup on her, she was thinking, "What the fuck?" Oh, I bet she loved it. I bet she loved it. <laughs> this is her moment. <laughs> her nose has like an arrow pointing down. Yeah, it was really interesting makeup. It was really good. But it, I don't. It's still you still believed it in that world, though. You oh yeah, for sure. I think different I think levels because just... then Binro is like that really sort of peasanty middle agey. He's obviously kind of a scientist person, or a philosopher. Or and he's a scientist. I know. Yeah. I don't think he even I, I, realizes he's a scientist. I can't speak. I don't think he even realizes he's a scientist. I think he's probably like the astronomer or the philosopher of their people, and has because he's watched the sky so much has been able to chart this. And it's really interesting. And I just think like it's just such a a shame. How, I don't know. For me, I just found that it not only slightly just diminished that sort. Which is why, like, whenever she was back, I was like, oh, "Now what?" <laughs> I liked how Binro came on the journey. I mean, it's a shame that he got killed. Yeah, but I think he knew he was going to anyway. Yeah, but he had that moment before he got killed as well. I really like that. How he was like, "Thanks, thank you for agreeing with me." And now I know, and that's yeah. And I feel like this story, uh, it's with so much up a level from the last season. Oh, yeah, Maybe yeah. the last season before. Because actually, 
okay, you love some of those seasons. And okay, the Sunmakers and the Tax one and everything, they did have layers, but I feel like this has got even more layers to get out of it in terms of actual sort of drama and character and stuff. And it doesn't have silly moments, even though, okay, Graph Indicay is a bit over the top. He's believable. He's not silly like the collector silly. He's... And even Gar- Garon is very over the top and dramatic, but it's, I don't, it just feels like it's a whole world and there's lots of layers in it with Binro as well and the Seeker and all of that and the adventure. Okay, the Shrivenzal is a bit of a weaker moment, but you don't see it that much. I'm not going to hate on the Shrivenzal. He's an all right monster. He's he's fine. <laughs> he's not a prawn. It's not a prawn. <laughs> and it category. moves. I thought it worked quite well. It's a little bit slimy as well, bit of jelly on there, you know. I feel like they just sort of like, oh, we need a, a monster in this just to add a little bit of an extra thing. But they don't make a big thing of it's the monster. You know, he's down in the catacombs. K9, we haven't talked about K9. K9 gets dog whistled in halfway that. through to help out. And I like that. And already he's got that relationship with Romana. Where, oh, when Romana puts her coat over the top and then she's like, oh, I'm sorry, K9. <laughs> I yeah. really like that. I like that. Be quiet, K9. You're a very irritating computer. <laughs> I'm sorry, K9. What can we do now? I think they will work out what their relationship is now. I think they're just always going to just do that dog whistle whenever they need him, and he's just going to come out and and help. I out. loved so, it. I uh, thought it was, a, but also I really liked it as an idea. I thought like that's such a nice little addition to how we include K9. Mm. It's a bit um, in terms of the wrap up of the story, though. With the graph in decay, and he swaps the bomb and it gets blown. That's a bit violent. And the doctor's well, he pretends to be the guards and everything. And it's it's not a big explosive apart from graph in decay. It's not a big big explosive finale. It just gets all worked out. And then you've got a nice bit of the end with Garon. Like Garon isn't really a baddie or a villain. Is he's just a bit he's the local crook sort of thing. He's harmless. And they have that bit at the end where they say goodbye and everything. So overall, it's just a really good story and a really good season opener it sets everything up because you've got you've set up Romana you've set up the key to time and you've got that story so the second episode I was hula hooping at the time watching it and (laughs) um and I was really loving the conversation that they were having about him like selling Sydney and he wanted the opera I don't know I just there's a lot of really good dialogue in this a lot of really good storytelling Nothing really felt padding. It all felt like just adding character and layers rather than, yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was a really strong opening for the season. Is it like it going to be in my top list? Probably not. There's things that I probably won't remember, but I really appreciated the start of it. Um, I really like the journey that I think we're going to go on with it. It's a good writer as well, actually. We don't talk about this writer. He wrote the tax one. Oh, and I love the tax one. Yeah, he wrote... um, Oh, what else? He's written loads. He's actually written loads, and he was script editor for the past couple Ah. of seasons as well. So he's the one that writes all the the decent... Yeah, because this is... It's really good. And, like, I loved the tax one. I know I keep going on about it, and you weren't a huge fan, but... 
I thought it was a really good rounded story, and this felt the same. I think you're going to like this season. I'm definitely a step. I'm, I love this season. Lots of people love this season. Yeah, let's see what happens. To, and the, when they get the segment as well, it's a nice moment. It looks cool. I yeah, it. it's Look. not some like it looks. Everything looks great. I think budgets help. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's the beginning of the season, so they've got their money. They've hopefully they've worked out their money <laughs> situation from last time. Um, well, I'll tell you the name of the next story. It's four episodes, and it's called The Pirate Planet. Oh, okay. And it's quite interesting. Well, it's written by Douglas Adams, the guy that wrote Hitchhikers. Oh, really? That's interesting. And, yeah, Romana's great. And I've, Mary Tam, who plays Romana, yeah. is amazing. She passed away about 10 years ago, actually, oh. um, fairly young. I have to show you a picture that I got signed by. <laughs> right. I've got it framed. So I'll just hold it up. Um, so this is her, obviously a bit older. <laughs> when, you can she's tell done it's a bit her, of a photo shoot. Yeah, you do, she's done a photo shoot, right? But what they've done—that picture of K nine—is CGI. Right. So, so they've obviously taken a picture of her bending over with her legs open, and then put a CGI K nine in oh between God. her legs. I'll post it up for everyone to see. It's it's hilarious, but it's it's great. Uh, so I've got a few things signed by her. Uh, yeah, I didn't you can tell it's her times. though, like. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, you know, the last time I saw her was in Cardiff. She was signing her book in Borders in Cardiff. Oh, really? Is that Urban Outfitters now? Is that... No, you'll think that... Where... Was Borders in... Borders were down one of those lanes in Cardiff. And I, it was... I think it turned into Urban Outfitters in that space. I didn't I think. think it was that because it's along... so close to um, Waterstone. Or one of those. One of those along there. Yeah, okay. I'm going to look it up after yeah. where Borders was. Yeah, anyway, that's where I saw her last in there. So, And um, I will be talking about her book. She wrote her autobiography. She did two. It's, it's amazing. It's great. I'm going to have to tell you about those and meeting her yeah. in future episodes. It's going to be like Polly all and when Mark reads excerpts. No, 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 not at all. Nothing's as bad as Polly. Nothing. Oh, oh. <laughs> Nothing will ever be. One for the road, Mark. One for the road. I'm just going to open it up. Okay, yeah. Question. Um, so many friends of the Doctor get to choose whether their first TARDIS trip is an adventure forward or backward in time. Which event does the ninth Doctor take Rose Tyler to witness on her first trip into the future? Oh, this is spoilers for you. No, but I mean, I have watched some of this one. Okay, well, it's the destruction of Earth. Yeah, it's called The End of the Earth. The Ninth Doctor takes Rose to watch the sun expand and destroy the Earth. Yeah, into the world, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hang on, I'm going to ask you this one, because it's about Dodo. This is okay. the next question. So, the consequences of travelling to the distant future can be disastrous. What does Dodo Chaplet infect the human and monoid races with after she arrived on a generation starship with the First Doctor and Stephen Taylor over 10 million years into their future? A, a cold, B, chicken pox, or C, coronavirus? <laughs> oh, my God, it doesn't say that, does it? <laughs> well, okay, not an STD. It is the cold. Yeah. <laughs> it does say coronavirus. <laughs> you can tell this is a new <laughs> book, can't you? I don't know when it came out. But yes, A. Well, it could have been. Dodo infects humans and monoids with a cold when she arrives on a generation starship with the first Doctor and Stephen Taylor. There you go. I won't ask anymore. We'll finish on that note. 
That's exciting. Yeah, okay. I'll actually try and find some that are relevant rather than me just like yeah. flipping back and forth in a book. Right. Okay. Well, you can all follow us on Twitter and Instagram uh, at 2WatchWho. And yeah, we will see you all next week. Yeah. Bye. 2WatchWho. Yeah.